The School at the Chalet. Chapter 18. The Chalet Magazine is discussed. Oh, it was priceless, Grizel gave a little chuckle. There we were, all grubby and untidy, and our hair full of hayseed, and all that walk to take. You'd have screamed if you'd seen us. She laughed again at the memory, and Wanda joined her. Arrangements had been made for the next term that Wanda and Marie were to join the chalet school as boarders. In the meantime, they were to be with the girls as much as possible, partly with a view to learning English so that they would be able to follow the lessons easily. Wanda already spoke fairly well, but Marie made funny mistakes at times. She and Joey and Simone were sitting in the grass some distance away, reveling in the warmth of the sun while Wanda and Grizel were perched on the railings which cut off the path to Geslem. Further along, Juliet was laying on the bank reading, while Margia, Amy, and the two little merciers were making wreaths of big white flowers which grew everywhere. It was a Saturday morning, practice was finished, and the boarders were free to amuse themselves. Grizel was telling Wanda about the birthday expedition with its unexpected ending. The young Viennese, who led the sheltered life of most girls of her class, was deeply thrilled, for Grizel told the tale well. It must have been full of terror up there in the elm, she said in her slow, careful English. The storm was terrible even here. It was ghastly, agreed Grizel. Simone shrieked like mad and Amy cried, and I'm sure I don't wonder. It must be awful if you're afraid of thunder. I'm not, but then I'm not afraid of much of anything. You must be very courageous, replied Wanda simply. Grizel colored to the roots of her hair. She had not meant to boast, but she had to admit that her last speech sounded uncommonly like boasting. "'Sorry, I'm afraid that was Swank,' she said. "'Swank? Was is dun Swank?' queried Wanda. "'Oh, bucking or boasting,' returned Grizel hastily. Mm, "'I wouldn't use it if I were you, Wanda. It isn't good English. Not proper, you know.' "'What you call slang? I see,' replied the other girl. "'But go on, Grizel. Did you meet anybody on the way?' Only cowherd, said Grizel. Oh, but it was lovely. So early in the morning, everything looked so new and well washed with the rain. Except, of course, us. I don't know about the others, but all us boarders had a hot bath and washed our hair. We had to, to get the hay seeds out. Then we all went to bed and slept. I never knew bed could feel so nice, she added meditatively. Sleeping on hay is fun, all right, but you don't get much sleep. First of all, a beetle walked across Joey's face, and she yelled and hung on to my hair. I suppose it was the easiest thing to, at hand. And then, when we had got over that excitement, Amy began to cry because the hayseed had gone down her neck and was tickling her. Then, just before dawn, an owl began to screech. So did some of the little ones. But how could you enjoy such happenings? asked Wanda, wide-eyed. Oh, I don't know. You do, you know. It's something fresh. I suppose that's it. Perhaps, said Wanda doubtfully, but I don't think I should like it. 
Oh, you will when you've been with us a while, said Grizel confidently. Only, of course, there won't be mountains expedition next term. No, not with the snow there, agreed the young Austrian. How shall we amuse ourselves then? Oh, I don't know. Dancing and games, I suppose. Perhaps we shall get up a play. Just the usual thing one does do in the winter. I'm tired of those old railings now. They're so jolly hard. Let's walk along to the other end. Gisla may be coming. She often does on Saturdays. And so do Brunhilde and Frida. It makes it jollier for Juliet and me. Most of the others are rather babies, you see. Come, Juliet. Juliet raised her head. Where to? Oh, the other gate. No, no thanks. I want to get on with my book. Anyway, it's too hot to move. Lazy old object, laughed Grizel. All right. Come on, Wanda. Let's leave her to it. They went off laughing and talking cheerfully, while Juliet, uncurling herself from her little heap in which she had been laying, gazed after them thoughtfully. She was not jealous, although Grizel had very little to say to her nowadays. In Grizel's eyes, Juliet had become suddenly tiresome. Good. Wanda was fresh, and the English girl was rather given to running after fresh things. One thing, thought Juliet, as she sat hugging her knees in a brown study, Grizel could come to no harm with Wanda, who had been trained on the most conventional lines and was often horrified at her new friend's tomboyish ways. It was rather a relief to the elder girls to know this, for she could not forget Grizel's declaration of a fortnight before, or so that she would go up the Tarnjock the first chance she got and she didn't care who said what. City-bred Wanda was most unlikely to attempt such an exploration. The Bernbad Alm was as much as she could manage, though Marie and Wolfham were ready for anything, and Kurt, the elder boy, went on climbing and hunting expeditions with his father every day. Meanwhile, the younger children had grown tired of their wreath-making, and were slowly walking towards the boat landing, to watch the steamer come in. As they strolled along, they saw a couple of big boys coming, racing down the path towards them, followed by a little girl of about nine. Instinctively, the children moved to one side, and the two lads tore past them without giving them a glance. The little girl turned and looked at them, however, with a look of friendly curiosity before she galloped after them. "'Wonder who they are,' commented Joe in German." which language she now spoke as fluently as she did English. They looked rather jolly, didn't they? I think they are English, said Simone gravely. Das Menschen was not, corrected Marie. She hadn't the English view. Appearance, you mean, observed Margia. Amy, come back. You'll fall in. It wouldn't matter if I did, except for having to change, replied Amy. Well, that would be a bother enough, said Margia, as she hauled her little sister back to safety. It wouldn't be yours anyhow, snapped Amy. Margia released her little sister in sheer amazement. It was the first time that Amy had ever attempted to have an opinion different to hers, and she gasped and with wonder. Joey laughed at her startled face. Margia, if you open your mouth like that, the mosquitoes will dash in to their doom. 
Be always kind to animals wherever you may be if a mosquito is an animal. Oh, don't talk rubbish, burst out Margia. Amy, you must be ill. No, I'm not, returned Amy. But I'm not going to be pulled about. Oh, say no more, Margia, interposed Simone. It is but that Amy has grown up. Well, but if her gentle little sister had slapped her in the face, Margia could not have been more surprised. Never mind now, said Joey tactfully. I want to talk about my idea. At least it's geeseless, really, she added thoughtfully. But don't you think it would be topping to have a school mag? Gorgeous, said Simone, who had picked up the expression from Joe. It would be like the school tales, said Maria thoughtfully. There's the Mundenspitzen picnic for the one thing to talk about, said Joey, and that would be a topping thing for the mag. And your day at Innsbruck and Frau Berlin, added Margia, for all the school knew of this episode by that time. Yes, and the day we went boating and the storm came on, and we do play cricket and tennis with ourselves, said Joe thoughtfully. Then let us ask Gisela, shall we not? suggested Marie. Un, un, I'll write a poem for you, proposed Amy cheerfully. They all stopped still with one accord and stared at her. Joey was the first to speak. I say, she said, and whistled loudly. Amy, cried Margia, what do you mean? You know you can't write poetry. I can then, retorted Amy. I righted some last night. Let's see it then. Can't. It's by my cubby under my pillow. What is it about? demanded Marie. A river. The one beside the Kronpins Carl. That's not a river. It's not big enough, declared Margia. Well, I've called it a little river, returned Amy definitely. Oh, Amy, do let us see it, pleaded Simone. I think you're awfully clever. I could not do it myself. Not truly. I tell you, it's in my cubby, said Amy, nevertheless, softening before Simone's compliment. I'll get it when I go to wash my hands for the Mitchinson. There's Gisla and Wanda and Grizel, put in Joey. Let's scoot and ask her. But Amy had caught at her arm. Joey. Don't let Grizel know. Why ever not? demanded Joey in surprise. She'll laugh if you do. Don't tell her, Joey. Not yet, anyhow. Grizel Cochran shan't laugh at you, said Margia determinedly. Why should she? But all Amy could get to say was, She will. I know she will. Oh, all right then. But we can ask Gisla about the mag. Come on, everybody. Gisla! Gisla! Gisla, who had been chattering gaily with Wanda, and Grizel lifted her head. Yes, I come, she called back, and set off at a run, heedless of Grizel's impatience. Oh, don't bother with the kids just now, Gisla. What is it? asked the big girl, as she reached the juniors. Is there anything wrong? No, nothing. Only, do you remember what we were talking about the day we decided to get my sister's birthday present? Gisla, let's have a school mag. Yes, and you be the editor, said Margia. Gisla looked thoughtful. 
and at that moment Wanda and Grizel came up with them. Well, what's the worry? demanded Grizel. Anyone dead yet? Joey turned on her like a flash. Grizel, I hate that horrid sneezy way of talking you've got lately. You're always making fun of us. It's horrid of you. Keep your hair on, said Grizel easily. No need to get hot about anything. I'm not, retorted Joey. And anyhow, as an unholy memory came to her, anyhow, I didn't ask to have my hair rinsed in holy water. Joey, what do you mean? cried Wanda, astounded. Ask Grizel, she knows, said Joey with somewhat malicious delight. Grizel, crimson and furious, glared at her tormentor. You little pig, Joey! Well, you did, didn't you? Then Joey's malice vanished in a chuckle. I say, do you remember the man's face when he heard you? Oh, wasn't it funny? It was only a mistake, said Grizel with an unwilling laugh. But what was it? asked Gisla, bewildered. Please tell us, Grizel. Oh, it was only that I mixed up Hesus and Hilgis, explained Grizel. Joe's a horror to drag it up like that. Oh, well, let it alone now, and let's get on to the magazine. It is an English institution, observed Wanda. I have read of it in my storybook. Papa has given me several, you know. As he wished Maria and I should know something about life in English schools. But you can't always go by story, said Joey. Some of them are awful tosh, like the... Dins of Forth, one of th one you showed me, Gisla. There was one about a girl who was a guide, began Gisla doubtfully, but I did not quite understand it. It is not the kind of guide you know here. Girl guides, was it? asked Joey with interest. It was a girl guide, said Wonder. Her name was the same as yours, Gisla, but they called her Gilly. I liked the book very good. You should say very much, Grizel corrected her. Well, we can't do anything about the guides just now, though it's jolly well worth talking about. Let's get on to the magazine, and this afternoon I vote we play cricket. Wanda is keen to learn, aren't you, old thing? I should love it, said Wanda. It is a top-hole game, said Grizel. You'll soon learn it. Now about the magazine. I have never seen an English school magazine, began Gisla, but I have read of them. We must have for editor one who can write the, the editorial and also arrange. Then we must have articles upon our games and happenings in this term. There should be stories and poetry and a letter from our head. There are only 18 of us, but I think we might do it. It is an English custom, as Wanda says, and we are an English school. I should like to do it. Bet and Gertrude and Berhilda wish it too. What do you think, Joey? Would Madame allow it? Rather, said Joey enthusiastically. She'd be awfully keen, I know. Then what do you say? Shall we see what we can do about it? Yes, let's. It's a ripping scheme, Gisla. But we... we too, Gisla... We shall be members of the school soon. May we not write for it? Well, I, uh, I'll, uh, 
I'll let you have some poetry. This last was Amy's, of course. The seniors looked at her with much the same surprise as the others had done. Poetry, Amy? Why, you don't even know what poetry is, do you? teased Grizel. Yes, I do. It's lines that rhyme. So there, Grizel Cochran flashed Amy, her fair face burning with mixture of shyness and indignation. Oh, my hat! There is a cat on the mat, mocked Grizel. Your poetry, anything like that, Amy? It's a jolly sight better than anything you could do anyway, declared Margia, coming violently to Amy's assistance. She might sit on her little sister for her own good, but she wasn't going to have Grizel Cochran doing it in front of her. Grizel tilted back her pretty head and laughed ag aggravatingly, but Joey now took up the cudgels. You're horrid just now, Grizel. I don't know what's the matter with you, she said with more vehemence than politeness. Don't get excited, babies. Grizel! At the sound of their headmistress's voice, they all turned around. What is the matter with you girls? asked Miss Bettany as they faced her. Gisla rushed into the breach. Madame, it was just a little argument, and please, may we have a magazine for the school? A school magazine? She looked at them with twinkling eyes. Yes, if you will promise not to quarrel over it, and not to leave all the work to one person, I think you may. And so was the idea of the Chalitin born. Chapter 19. Some Pranks Only three weeks till the end of the term. Nothing much can happen in three weeks. Thus Madge Bettany, as she sat in her bedroom, talking things over with Mademoiselle Lapetre. Our first term, she went on dreamily. Well, it hasn't been a bit what I thought it would be. For one thing, I never expected we should get such a large school together so quickly. Eight or ten was the most I had hoped for. But here we are with eighteen, and least seven for next term. It isn't bad, is it? Mademoiselle nodded her head slowly. It has gone well, mon chéri, she said gravely. The girls are so keen on being really English, went on the young headmistress. Even the juniors are infected with the desire. The other day, I heard Suzanne Mercier and Berta Hamel discuss some pranks or other, and Suzanne asked very seriously, Are you sure it's English? Berta wasn't certain, so they went off to discuss it with Joey. Has it occurred yet? asked Mademoiselle with a smile. I haven't heard anything, so I don't suppose it has. I wonder what it is, ruminated the elder woman. They think of things so extraordinary, these little ones. I am sure Simone would never have thought of cutting off her hair a year ago. It's far better for her, said Madge decidedly. She really had too much. She's much better in every way, I think. And she'll lose the tragic look she used to have, and she does things, well, off her own bat. Oh, dear, Mademoiselle was genuinely horrified at the slang, but Madge only laughed. Awful, isn't it? she said cheerfully. Mercifully, none of the girls heard me. Do remember, Elise, that I've not been ahead for three months yet. 
You must allow me a little slang just very occasionally. Mademoiselle joined in her laughter, which was cut short by a piercing shriek. Mercy! gasped Madge. What on earth has happened? She fled to the door, tore it open, and ran down the stairs to meet a scared, horrified Bet and Bernhilda, who both exclaimed, Oh, madame, come quickly, come at once. What is it, an accident? she gasped in whitening face. No, no, it is much worse. It is witchcraft, wailed Bet. Witchcraft? Nonsense. At our school? Never. She said sharply, nevertheless, following them along the narrow passage to the little boarded-off compartment where the splashiers were. Arrived there, she gasped at what she saw, then realized what had happened. She burst into laughter. Each of the two basins were full to the brim of sparkling, sizzling bubbles. Even as they looked, the foam began to subside, and in another two minutes the bowl held only ordinary water or what looked like ordinary water. "'Oh, madame, what is it?' sobbed Bet in German. "'I did nothing. I only poured the water, and Bernhilda also. It foamed up at once. Oh, it is witchcraft!' A sudden gurgle outside the window, followed by a hush, drew the head's attention for a second, but she took no further notice. "'Oh, Bet, you silly child,' she said, rather impatiently. "'Of course it isn't. Haven't I told you there's no such thing as witchcraft at our school? "'All that has happened is that those young monkeys have powdered the bowls with sherbet or salts or some fizzy stuff. "'Of course, it bubbled up as soon as you poured the water, but that's all it is.' Had she been able to see through the bushes which grew against the side of the house, she would have seen four faces grow rather blank at her omniscient. "'I say,' murmured Joey, "'I forgot they would probably fetch my sister. "'It's a trick my brother told me of. "'He did it at his school.' "'Will she be angry?' asked Berta, a trifle apprehensively. "'Joey considered her head on one side. "'Shouldn't think so,' she said finally. "'There's nothing wrong in it, and it's only a lark, "'and it doesn't hurt anyone.' Meanwhile, Madge was busy soothing the injured feelings of the seniors. Bet was furiously angry at having been so taken in, and even Bernhilda the gentle was inclined to be indignant. "'It is an impertinence,' she said in her soft, careful English. "'It is not, madame.' Madge nodded. "'Oh, yes, but it is the kind of thing that often happens with juniors, and I advise you to take no notice of this.' If they do it again, of course, the prefect should take it up. It's not bad mischief. You people must learn to distinguish between bad mischief and nonsense like this. With this, she left them to go and relate the occurrence to their compeers, while she herself chuckled over it with Mademoiselle and Miss Maynard, who had just come in. It's healthy mischief, anyhow, she said, so I shan't interfere. At lunch, the four juniors kept giggling together, and many were the meaning glances shot at Bet, who held her head very high, and was remarkably chilly in her behavior to them. Bernhilda had cooled down and was able to laugh at the affair, but Bet was half Italian, and her indignation still ran hot. Gisela and the others had enjoyed the joke, even while they admitted that it was an impertinence. 
and as the head girl said, it was better than the defiance of Grizel and Juliet of the previous week. There were three bedtime during the week at the chalet, Amy and Margia Stevens, and the two little Merciers, who were boarders till the end of term, as their parents had been obliged to go to Paris owing to sudden illness of Madame Mercier's mother, went at seven, Joey and Simone at eight, and Juliet and Grisel at nine. On Saturdays and Sundays, they all went at the same time. Half past eight on Saturdays and eight on Sundays. When seven o'clock came that evening, the four juniors trotted off quite happily. Miss Maynard went up to brush hair at half past seven and see they were all safely in bed. She found them, as she said afterwards, rather gigglesome. But as the story of the powdered basins, they had used sherbet and Madge had surmised had gone round the school by that time. She set it down to that. At eight o'clock, punctually, Joey and Simone had said good night and retired to their room. It was Mademoiselle's duty to go up half an hour later to see that they were all right. Juliet and Grizel were considered old enough to be responsible for themselves. When half past eight came, Mademoiselle was in the middle of writing a letter, so Miss Maynard good-naturedly offered to run up for her. The Frenchwoman accepted the offer, and the mathematics mistress ascended the stairs lightly. She expected to find the two in bed, ready to bid her good night. So she was considerably startled to find Joey in her dressing gown trying to poke her feet through the bottom of it, while Simone was wrestling with the sleeve of her nightdress. Girls, exclaimed the mistress, what is the meaning of this? All our night garments are sewn up, said Simone mournfully. Some joke, remarked Joey. Look, Miss Maynard, stitched my bottom of my nightgown closed. Miss Maynard's eyes twinkled and she bit her lip. Hmm, so the, the bitter, so the biter was bitten, she said softly. Well, I will give you five minutes longer. Be quick. She knew better than to look through the other curtains to see if the juniors were asleep. Certain little rustles and snorts made it quite evident that they were not. She took no notice of the suspicious sounds, but simply waited by the window until the other two were safely in bed, and then withdrew, remarking that she hoped they would all, with an emphasis on all, get off to sleep quickly. Pigs, remarked Joey, as she soon as she went out. Little horrors! Four separate giggles answered her, but no one spoke. She gave a snort and turned over, burying herself beneath the sheets. Simone had done the same. And the worst of it is that it completely put the lid on the stunt. She groaned next morning when she and Simone had finished telling the other four what they thought of that. We'd intended ragging the senior cubicles, but I thought we'd better get ready for bed first, and then we found what you'd done, and Mayne came up before we were half ready. Well, why didn't you tell us, demanded Margia. Then we'd have helped you out of your fix. Well, of all the cool cheek, gasped Joey. Margia, you're the limit. It's your own fault, retorted Margia. You said we hadn't any rags yet. 
and it would be a pity to finish the term without. Yes, but I never meant you to rag us. And that reminds me, is the piano done? Uh-oh. Amy did it when she had finished her practice. Good, enoughski. No one saw you, did they, Amy? Amy shook her head till all her curls danced. No one. It will be fun. Well, it's Grizel's practice time. Won't she be mad? Hopping mad, agreed Marcia. There's the bell. Come on. The conspirators scurried into lessons and only saved themselves from complete disgrace by the most violent efforts. Amy, her mind wandering to the latest joke, when asked to explain what a delta was, said dreamily, It's another name for the keyboard of the piano, the white keys. Miss Bettany dropped the blackboard chalk in her surprise. Amy! I beg your pardon, madame, she faltered. I, I, she stopped, unable to go on. I see, said Madge dryly. Will you kindly pay attention to the lesson? What is a delta? Amy managed to stumble through a fairly accurate, if somewhat lengthy, explanation. Joey and Simone, doing algebra, came off a little better. Joey's simple equations were a hopeless muddle, while Simone's had neither beginning nor ending. Frida and Nita and Sophia stared at them in amazement, while Miss Maynard scolded them sharply for carelessness and inattention. Much they cared, however. They were only longing for two o'clock and the beginning of practice time. They had not dared to meddle with the music room piano, for this was one of the days on which Herr Ansel came up from Sparts to give music lessons. He was a magnificent teacher and a musician to his fingertips, but he was terribly short-tempered, and any prank would have seen him storming off to Miss Bettany. His pupils all regarded his lessons with a mixture of terror and amusement. He told Grizel that she had the fingers of a machine and the soul of one too, which offended her dreadfully, but she dared not show it. Joey, he raved at for her lack of sense of time, while Juliet's stumbling performances brought German phrases and epitaphs rambling from his very boots. On the other hand, he had once told Margia Stevens that if she worked hard and thoroughly for the next six years, she might make a performer who would not disgrace him. Margia was the only one of the younger girls to go to him, the other being taken to Mademoiselle. Simone lent, <clears throat> Simone learnt the violin, and so did Gisela, Marini, and Gertrude. So they three went down to Sparts on one afternoon in the week for their lessons. After lunch, they were allowed to do as they liked until two o'clock, when preparations and practice were the order of the afternoon. The schoolroom piano stood in the senior classroom, while the juniors did prep under Miss Menard. The seniors had an English literature lesson with Miss Bettany, and Grizel practiced under Mademoiselle's eye, so that she should work as accurately as possible. The partition between the preparation room and the senior room was of light matchboarding only, and the windows were wide open, and it was possible to hear everything that went on in the next room. The juniors listened eagerly. They heard Grizel settle down and touched the notes tentatively before she began. Then Joey stood up. 
Please, Miss Maynard, may I take my French to Mademoiselle, she said. I don't quite understand this correction. Yes, Joey, if you must, said Miss Maynard, glancing up from her work. Joey escaped and hastened into the other room. It was not part of their plan to let Mademoiselle find out what they were up to. She would probably be angry and report them to the head, and they did not want that. Ah, bien, Joey, what is it? asked Mademoiselle, as she made her appearance. It's this exercise, madame, replied Joey meekly. I don't quite see where I've gone wrong. Should I have used the subjunctive mood? Unsuspectingly, Mademoiselle took the book from her and looked at it over. Yes, my child, it is here, she said. If you use the et sequi, you must follow it with the subjunctive, which you have not done. Grizel, what then are you doing? She might well ask. Grizel was supposed to be practicing meditatory exercises, but even they were not excuse for the hideous noise she was producing. I, it's the keys, mademoiselle, said Grizel. They are so slippery. Slippery, bah. It is your own abominable carelessness. Begin again, and with more care, I pray you. Hunching her shoulders and compressing her lips, Grizel started again, with much the same result. For once it was a cool day, and chilly fingers combined with slippery keys proved too much for her. Suddenly it dawned on her to look at her fingertips. They were powdered with white. In a flash she realized what had happened. The juniors had covered the keys with French chalk, nearly choking with anger. Grizel took out her handkerchief and dusted the keys as unobtrusively as she could. Furious though she was, she could not give them away to Mademoiselle, who was busy instructing an extraordinary stupid Joe. As for Joe herself, it was all she could do to keep a straight face. She was unable to see Grizel's expression, but a back can be expressive at times, and Grizel's looked as if she had swallowed a poker whole. When presently she had apparently listened to all Mademoiselle's explanations and was dismissed, the middle girl literally fled out of the room and collapsed at the foot of the stairs, rocking backwards and forwards with laughter. The sound of footsteps overhead made her pull herself together with a mighty effort, and getting up, she went back to the prep room, where for all the amount of work she did, she might just as well not have been. Never had the afternoon seemed so long as the juniors, when the length Miss Minard said, Five minutes to four. Pack up your books and get ready for tea. They all sighed audibly with relief, much to her astonishment. She had barely taken her departure before a righteous, indignant Griselle dashed in. Where's Joe Bettany? she cried. Joe, you little horror, how dare you mess up the keys like that? I didn't. She didn't. It wasn't Joe, exclaimed several voices at once. But she knew all about it. I know that. Jolly well I did, but I didn't do it, returned Joe stoutly. Then who did? I never heard of such nerve in my life. Who did it? Me, said a small voice, and Grizel turned to stare incredulously at the baby of the school. Amy, you... Amy raised angelic blue eyes to the startled face above her. 
Yes, it is a joke. Well, I, I'm jiggered, declared Grizel flatly. She went slowly out of the room to her own quarters, where all the coaxing and teasing of the other seniors could not get out of her what was wrong with her, and it was only after Gisela and Bet had heard from the delighted juniors what had occurred that they understood. Then they were almost as startled as Grizel herself. Amy was the last person they would have suspected of such a trick. Margia, Joey, Maria, even Suzanne might have done it, but Amy? The seniors were completely flabbergasted. As for Amy herself, she was in high glee over it and cut capers to such an extent that she called down upon herself a sharp reprimand from Miss Maynard, who coached them for tennis, and who, of course, had no idea why Amy Stevens was behaving with such sudden wildness. On their way home after tennis in the evening, Gisela summed up the state of affairs rather neatly to bet. Amy is becoming a schoolgirl and ceasing to be a baby, she said, but one doesn't expect it so suddenly. No, agreed Bet. They were talking in their own language, but I think you are right. I know I am, said the head girl with finality.